It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. Well, that was an eventful week. We saw one manager get told to pack his bags and update his resume. We had one team play what could only be described as a historically bad game. And we saw one team lose its chance at Premier League immortality. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how are we doing this week? Uh, I'm doing good, Mike. How about you? I'm not doing bad. I'm doing better than Nigel Pearson, I think, because That's true. I have I have not been fired yet. Uh, <laughs> I suppose you never know in, uh, in these uncertain times, but... Uh, Nigel Pearson, the manager of Watford, was given his walking papers, or as they say across the pond, sacked. Uh, he was sacked with two games still to play in this season, which makes the, the decision to fire him curious in my mind. I, uh, I, I don't know what you're going to accomplish by getting rid of a guy with so few games still to play this year. Right, and, and you know, for all intents and purposes, they're probably safe from relegation. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what kind of message you're trying to send. It, it just doesn't. Are really they make... safe from relegation though? Because their their final two matches are Manchester City and Arsenal. Is they, it? They are, but they have a pretty good goal differential. I think four. So I, I, they're not completely safe, but they're safe enough that this is a kind of an iffy move i mean so. if there's i guess if they're safe all the more reason to be like why exactly right you know uh, they're certainly not going to be getting the champions league slot no. at this stage uh so that's curious um as far as what's going to happen in the meantime the i guess the two um managers of watford's under 23 team um have been promoted to handle the caretaker manager uh, duties for the remainder of this season. So Graham Stack and Hayden Mullins, uh, again from the under-23 squad, they've been moved up. They'll be be handling these responsibilities. Although I'm disappointed that the, the nominee that Kyle Martino proposed on, uh, I, I think it was Sunday's edition of Premier League Mornings, 
isn't the one who got promoted. Everybody on set was just outraged at this, it seemed, because it's so unexplainable. And so, like, Robbie Musto, you know, was outraged that uh, they would make a decision so late. And, and what's the new manager going to do? He's going to walk into the into the locker room and say, okay, nice to meet everybody. Uh, go play year. better. Yeah. <laughs> you can't turn everything around with two matches left. And um, Rebecca Lowe asked the the panel of two uh if any of them had any thoughts as to who might get the uh, the job in place of nigel pearson and kyle martino threw his hands up and he said at this point i wouldn't be surprised if they made elton john the manager <laughs> uh, so a little disappointing that that hasn't come to i suppose that the permanent new manager hasn't been picked yet so uh reginald dwight still has a shot it does uh i guess we'll just have to stay tuned and see um quick bit of housekeeping uh, that we need to address. First of all, I had promised y'all last week that I would be prepared this week with a thorough accounting of what the Court of Arbitration for Sport had in their official decision regarding Manchester City's overturned UEFA ban. Um, Unfortunately, I couldn't find that decision it appears that the CAS has not actually released the opinion itself yet uh, we all know Manchester City won we know it was in that press release that we read from last week but we don't know the nitty-gritty of the the rationale behind CAS's decision I hoped to have it for you today I don't uh, so apologies there but uh, it just wasn't on the website yet so once we do have it hopefully in time for next week's episode we'll go ahead and get that to you also on the housekeeping front, little egg on our faces here. Um, although I think Jared Jared caught my mistake um, and, and wanted to correct me, but I just I shut the show down so so quickly last week. He didn't have a chance. Is that well? A I fair just way did, to put it? I just didn't understand what was happening because I had memorized. Well, clearly, the table. I didn't either. I'd memorized the table, and you were going over the standings after the Manchester United <laughs> game, and they didn't make sense. Well, the, the only way they would have made sense is if Manchester United had actually drawn that game. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, in 90 That's plus six. what happened. Yeah. So you may recall last week we were here talking throughout about how Manchester United and I already forgot the opponent. Um, uh, that was uh, Southampton. Southampton were playing a Manchester United appeared to have the game well in hand and then it went to uh, stoppage time and so two to one appeared to be a uh, uh, a soon to be final and we just drove on with the show and didn't notice Mike, that Michael Oba Obafemi I don't know if that's the name but sure yeah um didn't notice that about four minutes into the five-minute stoppage time, well, maybe three minutes into the five minutes of stoppage time, a Manchester United player got injured and was taken off the field. Now, we'll have to presume that um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think I got that right, the Man United manager, must have used up all of his substitution opportunities earlier in the match because in taking the injured player off the field, Manchester United had to go on with only 10 players on the field. So they're playing a man down. But, hey, it's only a minute or two left in this game. What could possibly happen? 
Well, what could possibly happen is Southampton scoring the equalizer at 90 plus 6. So Manchester United did not win that match. It was a draw, as you might have noticed in the uh, the halftime scores and schedules report from our previous episode. We at least got it right there, but when we were talking about the match live, we were unable to see the most important stat, that being the final score. So it was a 2-2 draw, which didn't help Manchester United's uh, prospects at crashing the top four. I mean, I had remembered if they had won that game, they would have leapt to third, Yeah, you know, so, based on points. So that didn't happen. And uh, so we apologize for the error regarding that. Um, and in discussing what we were going to talk about for today's show, I know that Jared had what he described as a rant that he wanted to share with everybody. And I got a feeling that it might uh, actually be applicable to the Wolves Crystal Palace match that we have on TV right now, early second half. I believe we might have just had a handball. So with that segue... Well, we're getting about 20 a game, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think I know where your rant me. is going. <laughs> so what is what is it that you have against... Is it the frequency of handballs being called? So here's, here's the problem I have. This actually sparked... I mean, I've had this problem for a while, but it actually sparked from something that happened in the uh, Bournemouth South, Southampton game yesterday. Uh, I think it was around the 56th, uh, 56th minute... Um, so ball redirection, I mean, that's tough to predict. Um, you know, especially when the ball is coming off a round head where one centimeter of cranial difference can change the angle of the ball by like 30 degrees. Um, some of these balls are going like 60 miles per hour. So when someone heads a ball directly into someone's hand, that's like two feet away, I'm sorry, that's not planned, that's not intended, nor is it advantageous in any way. Uh, it's incidental. Now what about if the hand is away from the body when this happens? I thought that was the idea, that if your hand is up close, maybe blocking your crown jewels on a, uh, on a pending free kick, that's one thing. But if your hand's away from the body... What if you're in motion? Uh, what difference does that make? Well... Oh, you mean if you're bringing your hand towards your body? Or if you're just in stride. See, my argument is is that issuing a penalty kick actually artificially changes the outcome of the game more than allowing incidental handball contact to go unpunished. That's my hmm. argument. But, again, I don't really think these things are being... I, I think you may... I'm sorry to interrupt. You, you sure. may be onto something as, as it stands with a bunch of players walking around trying to avoid committing a handball. If... If the penalty for a handball was not penalty kick, you're probably going to get more handballs, which would then be changing the results of the game more than these penalty kicks. And I, I guess that's that's possibly true, but I just you know when two defenders are going up for a, a header and one of them actually heads the ball into the other one's hand. I mean, try to jump up in the air without you know bringing your hands up. It just so your beef then it. I don't think your beef is so much with the rule as it is with how it's being enforced. Well, I think fair? it's being enforced because of how the rule is written. I mean, the rule is written if the ball hits your hand in the penalty box, it's a penalty kick. There's no I don't think there's intent kind of trying to read the guy's mind. I, I, again, I, I if it is, then you're right. Then it's not being consistently enforced or uh, whatever. But 
that was just sort of a symptom of a greater cause that I'm seeing here where I just don't think these, you know, when it's just instantly hitting your hand and your hand may be out from your body a little bit. You know, we talked about that Luis Suarez handball from, you know, two weeks ago where he did the volleyball move to keep the ball out of the goal. That's an obvious penalty. I mean, sure. that's absolutely. But I just think there needs to be a little bit of creativity here and, uh, you know, taking the context of what happens and uh, just not being so so strict to the way the rule is written. That's just my, my opinion. All right. Well, I mean, duly noted. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll take a memo and, and send it in to the, the head office. Um, so your, your complaint is too many penalty kicks as a result of the handball. My complaint, which we've touched on briefly uh, a week or two ago, but didn't get into. I'm not understanding what's going on during the penalty kicks with respect to the kicker pausing on his approach to the ball. I'm seeing a lot of pausing and, and like faking and, oh, I'm about to kick it. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. Okay, now I'm going to kick it now that I've seen which way the goalie has committed. I'm not going to stand here and suggest that I've got a long history of watching soccer in, in my past. I don't, admittedly. It's the whole you know that that introduction where I talk about my former views on the sport that's I didn't watch a lot of it um, there were however two occasions in my past where I was watching it and where penalty kicks came into play and it, it is based on my observations of those moments that kind of dictated my understanding of the penalty kick rules so believe 1990 world cup argentina won is that correct oh gosh then uh, 90 would have been a little early for early me. for you all right well we can check it later i'm pretty sure on this one because i recall argentine great diego maradona having a very important penalty kick and the only reason it, it stood out to me at the time was he didn't blast it he he just kind of dinked it um like a grounder but you know he he went the right way and he placed it well so it scored but I remember watching him being like man they're so close why don't they just like you know whiff with one leg and then kick with the other after the goalie is committed there's no way the goalie could get back up I didn't have the the foresight or the, or the thought really to go and ask somebody who was a soccer player or a fan so that I could run these questions these by I them ide good ideas I mean well, I just, you know, arrogance on my part that I just presumed what the what the rules were. That I guess you can't do a do a fake like that. Otherwise, it would it would make penalty kicking too easy. Fast forward to 1999, really like the second time I watched soccer for more than 15 seconds. 1999, what big soccer thing happened in 99? This is not past your time, Jared. You remember this? Oh, I remember. Uh, who is it? Uh... Randy Chastain. Chastain took off her, uh, <laughs> was running around to the sports bra. I remember that. I, 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 it was completely professional. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, the 1990 USA women's team won the World Cup. It was a big deal. Highest rated, you know, soccer, American soccer ever, I'm pretty sure. It uh, did wonders for uh, girls' youth sports. Um, the women's team remains way better than the men's team in this country and um they beat geez 
South Korea, Japan. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, uh... Darn it. I watched a documentary on it not too long ago. Might have. I think it was Japan. I don't think. Whatever. Buzzer's getting its, uh, <laughs> getting warmed up early today. So anyway, uh, those of you who watched that match may recall it ended on penalty kicks. It did. This yep. was a, you know, in the World Cup, you can't exactly do, or at least in the World Cup final, you can't exactly do this whole end the game in a draw thing. Somebody's got to come out winning. So five penalty kicks for each side. Five or six? It's five. Five? Yeah. Um, and Brandy Chastain had the... Uh, the game deciding penalty kick go in so that's why we all remember that shot of her uh, celebrating similarly I noticed none of the women taking those penalty kicks for either team were faking or stutter stepping or certainly not whiffing with one foot and then connecting with the other foot after deciding which way the goalie was committing and so this further cemented my understanding that basically whistle blows you begin your approach to the ball, you're committed, kick the ball when you get there. There's no deviating from just a straightforward, you come at the ball, you, you're going as fast as you're going to go towards it, and you kick ball. No pausing. I'm seeing pausing in these Premier League penalty kicks. Yeah, Tell I, me why I'm wrong. I think you have it mostly right. What, what the rule it's is. more than I would have thought. Well. The, the rule is basically that when the, the referee blows the whistle, meaning that you know the goalie is in the position on his line uh, and the kicker's been established and you know ready to go, he blows his whistle. Now, when the kicker starts to move, he's committed to starting a process of shooting the ball. Now, he needs to move towards the ball and continue to be moving towards the ball, but he does not necessarily need to maintain the exact same rate at which he is moving the ball. But he also cannot come to a complete stop at any point so what you're sort of describing is the stutter step i think that we're talking about i i've seen william do that quite a few times i actually just noticed that uh, danny ings on southampton also does that he actually had one this weekend and missed yeah first time i'd actually seen one of the stutter step ones uh Miss. I, I think it actually screwed him up doing it, the stutter step because it seemed to like take his rhythm off and the goalie didn't commit Right. And and so then Ings was like, well, now what do I do? Yeah. But, you know, the stutter step, you're basically taking two steps at full speed. Then on the third step, you kind of drag your back foot a little bit in slow motion until it reaches up to the front foot. Then you take your final steps at regular speed and take the shot. And, you know, what you're trying to do is just get the goalie to, to show you his cards early, right? I mean... All penalty kicks are uh, they're more about psychological warfare than actual soccer execution, right? I mean, it's really... Well, it's like a 50-50, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're trying your best to second-guess, you know, the, the, the kicker's trying to second-guess the goalie and vice versa. Um, so. so it's okay to, to do that willian, you know, kind yeah. of drag your foot thing as long as you're still moving it's, toward yes, the ball? as long as you're still in the process of shooting mm. so you don't necessarily need to maintain a consistent speed but you do need to and as you're taking the step the... to kick like could you keep your foot back kind of cocked i think that would be considered an actual stop of the process okay. and so that would not be allowed all right so mm. now i, I don't know... think i like it now do you not like it because it gives the shooter an advantage or does right it... 
and penalty penalty kicks seem like there's an inherent big advantage for the kicker already. Oh, oh, so to is. throw this into it is just kind of a the ings kick aside, just putting all the chips on the side of the kicker and not giving the goalie a chance. I think, um, yeah, I think kickers convert about 72% of non-shootout penalty kicks. I think it's closer to 80 in shootouts. Um, so the advantage is absolutely overwhelming to, yeah. the, uh, to the shooter. I don't know. That, I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure how this is enforced because I guess it is, it's, it's not quite a, you know, did you cross a line or did you not cross a line to, to get into a debate of, Oh, I think he slowed down a little as he approached the ball. How are you gonna? How are you gonna enforce that? I mean, yeah. Um, but I think you and I have talked about this before. I, one of my favorite penalty shots is the, is the one where the kicker just kicks it square down the middle, so it would hit the goalie in the chest if he hadn't a dove right. one way or another seconds before. Yeah. So know, rather so. than the fifty-fifty, that makes it a one out of three. And yeah. so, as you're the goalie standing there, what are you gonna, are you going to stay? Are yeah. you going to do the ultimate? You know. In, uh, in confidence by just remaining in the middle and saying, all right, you're either going to kick it right at me or I'm so fast that I'll be able to react in time, which they aren't. But uh, I think it would be – I mean, it would certainly be cool to watch a goalie just stand his ground and, and just catch it right, right in, in his chest. chest. Yeah, Gotcha. Uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit of a fan of the stutter step only because I can appreciate the technical difficulty it takes to actually pull it off. Is it that difficult? It is. I mean, you're for these me- guys, you're, you're messing up. Your, I mean, why doesn't everyone do it if it's not difficult? Well, it seems like everybody I'm seeing is doing it, but um, um, I'm probably exaggerating it in my mind. I mean, I never got to that point. I think when I when I was uh, my JV year freshman, I think that's when we started doing the. I'm going to look at this corner, but actually kick it in that corner right. and, and hope the goalie, you know, picks up where we're looking and guess wrong. And but I think I, there are ways too about like how you approach the ball, like the, all right. of those things, um, you know, to, to try to throw off the goalie by looking like you're going to strike it in such a way to send it to the right corner, but then at the last second go left corner. All, all of that I'm cool with. It's this, right. It's this delay tactic, um, but I'm sure I'll get over it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to take a break. And we'll give you the, the scores for this past week. Not quite as many as as uh, previous couple of weeks. There was some FA Cup action. So um, you may have noticed there was only, I think, one game on Saturday. And, yeah. Um, it was actually a really light weekend. Yeah. And there actually was action on Friday this, this past Friday. But, again, I think it was just one match. Um, it's like my weekend mornings are the times when I can actually watch the games, and yeah. I only had three of and them. we weren't getting any. So. Uh, so we'll go over those right now, and we'll come back for the second half to talk about a few of the games in greater detail. So thanks for listening. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Here are your scores from the week beginning on July 15th in the English Premier League. On Wednesday, Spurs topped Newcastle 3-1. Burnley and Wolves played to a 1-1 draw. Manchester City took care of business against Bournemouth 2-1. And Arsenal ended Liverpool's hopes to secure the points record by taking down the champs two goals to one. On Thursday, Aston Villa played Everton to a draw with one goal apiece. 
Leicester got its groove back with a 2-0 victory against visiting Sheffield United. Southampton and Brighton each scored a single goal, and Manchester United took out a hapless Crystal Palace 2-0. West Ham hammered Watford with a 3-1 victory on Friday. On Saturday, Norwich City played the worst game ever at home against Burnley, garnering two red cards and committing an own goal. Burnley 2-0, and it wasn't that close. On Sunday, Bournemouth lost a heartbreaker to Southampton 2-0 in a game that was closer than its score, and Spurs kept the hope alive for European play with a three-zip win over Leicester City. Monday saw Everton edge Sheffield, scoring the game's solitary goal. Newcastle and Brighton failed to find the net in a scoreless draw, and Wolves shut out Crystal Palace with two goals. On Tuesday, Man City smoked Watford 4-0, and Villa surprised Arsenal with a 1-0 win that brought them out of the relegation zone thanks to goal differential. Wednesday sees Manchester United host West Ham, and Liverpool will hoist the Premier League trophy and take on Chelsea at Anfield. And the rest happens on Survival Sunday. All matches kick off at 11 a.m. Eastern. Chelsea hosts Wolves. Manchester United visits Leicester City. Sheffield takes on Southampton at St. Mary's. Liverpool heads north to visit Newcastle. Villa heads to the capital for its match with West Ham. Brighton goes on the road against Burnley. Arsenal hosts Watford. Norwich visits Man City. Spurs cross town to tackle Crystal Palace. And Bournemouth heads Merseyside to meet Everton. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we are back. So like we said, maybe not as many games this past week as in the previous two, but there's still a lot of them to get through. So Jared, where do you want to start? Well, let's uh, let's start Tuesday. There was one game on Tuesday. This was Chelsea hosting Norwich. Um, I think a lot of Chelsea fans were worried about this game. Uh, Norwich is out. Classic so trap game. Yeah, uh, Norwich is out. There's no real pressure for them either way, and they haven't won since February. So They're due. A lot of claiming that they were due. Well, they were due to lose another one. <laughs> Have they scored a goal? I mean, when's the last time they scored a goal? I think it's two in Project Restart. They've Jeez. had two goals. I don't remember them. Um, you know, well, this one was 1-0. They only had two shots, no shots on goal. I mean, it's hard to score a goal when you don't have any shots on goal. But I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea takes this one, uh, keep pressure at the top of the table. Um, Wednesday, we get uh, four games, but I think we're only going to be talking about three of the uh, higher impact games. So Burnley hosting Wolves. Uh, Wolves need to win to keep pace with all this uh, top of the table winning going on. Um, This was a a difficult one to digest for multiple reasons if you were a Wolves fan. Wolves definitely dominated this game for 90 minutes. It was really all Wolves. Um, they took a 1-0 lead on, late on an amazing goal by Raul. Um, and then they took that lead into second half stoppage time. Um, and then we continue with a recent theme here that we've seen a lot lately, which is a game being decided by a goal in the final minute of stoppage time. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Um, well, that'll be a little bit harder this week uh, because Wolves just scored their second to go up 2-0 over Crystal Palace. So... Crystal Palace has got to get off the schneid if they want to well, we'll talk draw about, this one. We'll talk about Crystal Palace, but they are at an absolute free fall right now. Um, then there was a... Dumpster fire, I'd yeah, like to say. Dumpster fire. Um, Doherty actually for uh, uh, Wolves actually had a handball um, that yielded a penalty kick for Burnley, which they converted, and uh, 1-1 was the final. Um 
wolves really needed to win out to even sniff a chance uh, at any of these berths, but they didn't. Uh, they only drew that game. We also had uh, Man City hosting uh, Bournemouth. Bournemouth needs points uh, really bad. They're three in relegation danger as of the start of that game. Well, they got zero points. Man City scored two early. Uh, Brooks added one late for Bournemouth, but 2-1 Man City is the final. Oh, so Man City stopped scoring like five goals I, per match. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you would think of all the teams that – Putting aside sort of like that middle tier, that that Everton section, right? Um, that Man City might have the least to play for. They're not chasing any records. They're locked in to second. Yeah, they got good news last week as far as the UEFA ban, but they're not going to change their destiny no matter what happens in these matches. Right. Yet that they're playing better than anybody. They are. Um. I, when was the last time I played Norwich? Because I that would just be a bloodbath. <laughs> you would think that would not be fair. Um, the last game on Wednesday was Arsenal hosting Liverpool. So we talked about this. Uh, we still got a few records at play going into this one. Uh, the season points total, which was 100 set by Man City two years ago, um, and we also mentioned last week that Liverpool needed to win three of three to break this record with 102. Um, so they do it. No. Oh. <laughs> well, but, you called it, though. I think it was last week you said Arsenal scares you. And, and well, it did. I mean, and I, I predicted that to be their toughest of the remaining matches. I think I gave it a, a coin flip. But they also were going for 33 English Premier League wins in a season, which hadn't been done. That's out of the, uh, the books now. Can't do that. Um, so th- this was a very similar to that Wolves-Burnley game. Um, you know, just complete domination by Liverpool from start to finish. Uh, Arsenal only had two shots on goal. They wound up having two, two Made goals. Made count. Right, yeah. Um, I think Mane put Liverpool up 1-0 early, but then there was some calamitous defense by Liverpool um, around the 31st minute. Just some cavalier defensive passing led to a steal and an easy goal. And then 10 minutes later, the exact same thing. The goalie sort of... Uh, Sort of cavalierly passed it, stolen, easy pass by Lacazette, and then Nelson puts it in. Uh, two ones your final. Um, I, cavalier, lazy, right. is what I would have called it. I mean, they just looked like they didn't care. They looked like a team that had everything wrapped up and just want you know they're they're um, checking the blocks. Let's get this match over with so that we yeah. can get on to you know Champions League or whatever. Um, actually, let's get on to Wednesday. July 22nd when they have their last home match of the year and mm-hmm. they get to hoist the trophy. I, I yep. think they're just waiting on that. They didn't seem to give a crap about the game, that's for sure. So a lot of those uh, point records were shot down by the Gunners. Um, so I, I think I mentioned to you uh, this offline, but Liverpool's really been the tale of two teams here. Uh, I think they were averaging 2.9 points per game for the first 75% of the season. Yeah, and certainly not since Project Restart. I mean, it's down to 1.5 points per game yeah. over the last nine. So um, really, really, really a dichotomy there. Uh, Thursday, we have four games. I think we're only going to talk about three of them. So we had Everton hosting Villa. Uh, again, Villa needs points uh, and fast, just like Bournemouth. Uh, they were four in danger of relegation. This was a very evenly matched game, stats-wise. Uh, Villa led 1-0 on a free kick in the 72nd minute. And then it looks like they might be picking up three points, but in the 88th Looked minute, that way. yeah, they gave up an equalizer to Everton. Uh, they had to go to the goal line tech, but 
I think Villa made an attempt to clear it, but the keeper grabs it well into the goal. Yeah, it so was it in. Stands. Yeah, it was. It was. When I saw real time. In, right? I was like, oh, maybe not, but yeah, it was in. Because um, I'm I'm rooting for Villa here. Oh yeah, because they're <laughs> team I predicted to not get relegated. Well, the funny thing was, and I, I didn't realize this, but Norwich, when they were promoted, they didn't spend very much money. But Villa, I think, almost invested a hundred million. Yeah, I was. In a, the, I know, and so they're if they get relegated after that, that's going to look pretty bad. Um, so one one is the final. Of that one Villa picks up one point, and they're now tied with Bournemouth um, with two to play. We have Leicester hosting Sheffield. Um, interesting of note on this one. I'm not sure if I noticed this before, if it was the time of day or sunlight, but... Uh, sunlight? What do you mean sunlight? Well, it's just the sun angle of the sun, but oh, oh, but oh. Henderson, the, the Sheffield keeper, was actually wearing a baseball yeah. cap for some... I hadn't seen that before. Was this was this match at Bramall Lane? Was Sheffield home? home? Uh, I have Leicester hosting Sheffield. Really? Okay. But, yeah. um, the only reason I ask is because I saw that today. Oh. Um in uh, in Sheffield's match against Everton and they were at Bramall Lane and it looked like it, it was just like one end of the field must just face right into the sun at a particular time of day it looks strange though to see a soccer player running around with a yeah cap, but. I think it would be stranger to see a goalkeeper just standing there not knowing what's going on around him yeah, hand <laughs> over his uh, eyes but right the hat also didn't help because uh, this one was all Leicester uh, shots 15 to 5 shots on goal 7 to 1 2-0 was the uh, win for Leicester. Um, so the top of the table just keeps cruising there. Um, Crystal Palace hosting Manchester United. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Crystal Palace is just in the midst of a free fall. I think they're one for Project Restart. Five-game losing streak heading into this one. Uh, Manchester United just wins this one 2-0. Um, and it's and losing. It's not winless. It's yeah, losing. losing. Yeah, actual losses. Mm. Um, and so with this one... Um, interestingly enough, it only took three days for the top five spots in the table to get locked in. Not necessarily the order, but the enumerated teams. Which teams it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was kind of secretly rooting for a little bit more chaos and controversy, but they really settled this one quick. But there is, there is hope for the sixth team. Um, I didn't realize this until recently. The winner of the FA Cup... If that team is already going to the Europa League, then the, the winner of the FA Cup gets to go to Europa. But if you're already going because you're top five, oh, then another seed will then get that. A, the you know the number six gets you know that slot to go to Europa. I didn't know this at all. So if Arsenal wins the FA Cup, and I believe they're in the final. Uh, They're in the finals with facing Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. So uh, there's there's your path for Wolves to play in Europe. If Chelsea wins the FA Cup final, um, then whoever's in sixth will be going to Europe. But if Arsenal does, then Arsenal goes. Right. So still a little bit of intrigue there for the. I didn't know that slots. either. So that is good. Um, Friday, we just had one goal. Uh, West Ham, I'm sorry, one goal, one game. Uh, West Ham hosting Watford. Probably the main thing to say about this one is Watford could have clinched uh, a goal differential tie for relegation safety with a win, but they lost 3-1. to one. So 
they remain three points safe from relega uh, relegation at this point with almost everyone having two to play. Uh, Saturday, we had one game. Did you watch this one, Mike? Saturday was... This was Norwich hosting Burnley. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I was actually in and out. I, sh I should qualify. Some I saw, some I didn't. Um, but, yeah, I'm aware of it. So uh, Norwich has already been relegated. Uh, Burnley is safely in that 8-10 to 10 range. Uh, Burnley wins 2-0, but you keep asking how far Norwich can continue to sink on their way out. Well, how about accomplishing a feat that had not been seen in five English Premier League seasons, if I heard that correctly. Um, Norwich got themselves in the record book. They did. Um, Norwich received two red cards within 12 minutes of each other in the first half and played two men down for the majority of the game. And you know what? Considering there were two men down, I mean, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Leicester won a game uh, in, in last fall 9 nothing when they were just one man up. Right. So, um, hats off to Norwich for well, fending off with nine players. And I think you made the comment that you were impressed it took Burnley 35 minutes to score up a pair of players, but it actually turned out that it was an own goal by Norwich. It wasn't Burnley that scored. Yeah. <laughs> So Burnley actually scored was zero goals, uh, two men up, which was uh, I'm surprised there was even enough players on the field for Norwich to have an own goal. But <laughs> it was it was a fabulous it was goal cross if it was on the volley. other side of yeah. the field. <laughs> I, I it it would be hard to have a worse performance than two reds and an and own a, goal, and right? A beautiful own goal. Yeah, yeah I mean. I didn't see the red cards happen. Um, I, I think I mostly was watching the second half of this. But I come in and I see in the, the graphic up in the upper left-hand corner, um, you know, the information about it. And it says, Norwich playing with nine men, two red cards. And my initial thought was, oh, wow, there must have been like some brawl where it was a single incident that resulted in two players getting penalized. No, it was... After after one red, where you would think everybody on Norwich would be on their toes, okay, don't do anything stupid, we certainly can't afford to lose anybody else. No, they just went ahead and <laughs> got themselves another red, just for good measure, I guess. I, I don't know. I would be the guy, after a yellow, who would either be screaming, take me out, or I, I would be running away from any contact with oh. any... I remember Opposition. that when when you got a, a yellow in middle school or high school. I mean, it was serious business. I mean, you had to first of all, you felt bad, right? You know, um, but um, anyways, Sunday uh, we have two games. This is uh, Bournemouth hosting Southampton. Uh, Bournemouth still in definite need of points. Any points? Uh, Southampton strikes first, a goal at the end of the first half. Um, and then on the 56th minute, um, you know, that's what spawned my mini rant here earlier, but there was a handball called off of a, the header deflection. But karma was good because uh, they missed the, the the penalty kick. That was yeah. the uh, Danny, Danny, Danny Ings, Ings. Uh, stutter step miss. Who's, you know, duking it out for the golden boot and I'm he sure is. was counting his money when he's lining up a penalty <laughs> kick and then, you know, he ends up screwing it up. Um, but that wasn't even the biggest drama that happened in this match, was it? No. So you go into stoppage time. Um, it's still 1-0 Southampton. Bournemouth seemingly equalizes with maybe 90 seconds left in the game. 
that may even be generous, but VAR overturns the goal due to Wilson being offsides by half a body. And we need to discuss this because, again, I'm not understanding offsides here. Did Wilson do anything to contribute to that play? So that's that's the million-dollar question, right? I mean, he was in the general vicinity but he had nothing to do with the play and that's the rule right it's not simply that a player is in an offsides position and therefore nothing good that comes of this of of this this team's efforts is going to be allowed so if 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 wilson had been 10 yards further away i think it would have been a no-brainer for no offsides but he was close enough to the goalie to the shot to some of the defenders that he had to be incorporated in the play. Now, Ugh. I, it, just just a heartbreaking decision, but it's an absolutely defensible call, unfortunately. So, yeah, you say so. I, I, yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, so, to add insult to injury, to <laughs> Southampton scores a, a second goal about a minute later, and 2-0 is the final on that one. Is Which, of course begs the question you know that everything would have changed had you figure everything would have changed had Bournemouth been allowed to keep that goal oh sure yeah so does Southampton score that second goal in in the alternate universe in which absolutely not there was goal stands there was less than two minutes to play I don't I don't think they do but could you imagine that like all of the the announcers were so clearly in the tank for Bournemouth I mean they they were. were they were like weeping when that goal got taken off the board, yeah, one of the one of them was I, I, I wrote it down here, but kind of funny, but one of them kind of, you know, the cherries may be falling from the tree. <laughs> I think right. what he said. I don't know if you remember hearing that, but I was, I, I wanted to write that down because that was funny. Um, oh, I don't, I don't know what Bournemouth agrees, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that ju- that was the thought I had when Southampton got their second goal. I was like, oh man, could you imagine if if this had been tied and that happened shortly after? Um, so Bournemouth still does have a, a path to salvation, but it is very, very slim. Um, they basically have to win at Everton on Sunday and they need Watford to lose two straight and they have to make up four goal differentials. So they have their work cut out for them, hmm. but they still have a, a path to get there. Um, so we also had Spurs hosting Leicester. Yeah. Um, this was set up to be, uh, you know, huge for Leicester and correcting the ship and securing, a, you know, a better spot. Um, this was an odd game, and I would say it was Leicester's third straight odd game in a row. Um, I actually did not get a chance to watch this one, but I watched the highlights. I looked at the advanced stats and, of course, the final score, and usually they all tell the same story or close to the same story. Stats-wise, this was all Leicester. Um, shots 8-6. to six. Yeah, uh, they had possession. a lot of shots, that's for sure. Yeah, possession 70-30. Corners 13-4 to four for Leicester. I mean, all those things would sort of spell, you know, a slight advantage to Leicester. But from the highlight and the final score, though, it was all Spurs. Um, so in the sixth minute, you have uh, Sun Hyung-min. Nice challenge. Gets a strong shot off. And it ricochets off uh, James Justin on Leicester for an own goal. Now... I don't want to get into this right now, but I kind of have the same problem I have with this, with I do the incidental handball. Like, I just, I, it seems petty to to make the distinction of this being an old goal when it's just a blasted, oh, a, right, it's uh, just a blasted shot off of a set leg. Like, really, what? 
and the, the announcers, purpose of this? The announcers were making the point that that was going to go in. It in may have gone in the other corner, corner right? Um, had had the um, Leicester player not been in the way. Now it didn't look like that to me in real time, but I'll I'll defer to Arlo White on this one. Um, but yeah, it's it's. So now Sohn doesn't get credit. Right. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, if if it's like the Norwich own goal where the guy, you know, finessely puts it in. Yeah, fine. Yeah, give him an own goal. That's great. That guy should, if he's had any goals this season, he should have one deducted. Yes. Jeez. Um, And then uh, uh, Harry Kane actually has a pair of really nice executed goals um, sort of at the end of the first half. That's four for him in the last two games I yes think. it he's is on, i was gonna fire. say you know and uh i was i was watching that match with friend of the show luke who joined us to talk about his fantasy league a couple weeks ago and he reminded me harry kane missed a ton of time this season he did and he's now up in the top handful of goal scorers he's not going to get the golden boot but he's he's like mid to high teens or 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 Close to 20 or something like that for total goals this year. Well, am I right in, in reading that he's only 26 and yet he's been on Spurs or with Spurs for almost 10 years? Am I reading that right? I don't know his age. I know he's a, a long-serving veteran, that's for sure. Wow. Um, so, Well, he had a really good game. Uh, Spurs win this one 3-0. Uh, Lester wastes a pretty big chance to for a better standing going into this final week. Um that was it for the games through Sunday. Just a, a look at the Champions League and, and Europa, and I'm obviously going to have to adjust this now that there may be a, an additional Europa spot. But um, as we mentioned, all top, uh, top five spots are locked up, just not necessarily the order of the teams. Um, look at the relegation picture. We talked about this a bit ago. Uh, Norwich is but, out. But oh. before we move on to relegation, just um, let's let's put – the whole FA Cup Europa thing aside for a minute. As far as top four going to Champions League, because Leicester lost to Spurs, that was Leicester's 37th match, so they only got one left to play. Manchester United have two, their first being Wednesday against West Ham. If they beat West Ham, they will be in sole possession of uh, fourth, and Leicester will be knocked down to fifth. Mm-hmm. Leicester, having spent the majority of the year in third, is yeah. is close to being on the outside looking in as far as Champions League is concerned. So that would be quite a turnaround. That's a collapse. I mean, it really. I mean, hats off to Manchester United. They have rattled off a bunch of wins. Um, I think even extending prior to um, Operation Restart, uh, they began this. Uh, very nice comeback to get themselves back up to uh, into the neighborhood where they used to be all the time back in the '90s and, and aughts. So, um, all right, with the relegation picture, what do we got there? Well, Norwich is out. We talked about that last week, and uh, Villa and Bournemouth are likely out. There's still minute paths in which Watford can replace either of those teams and drop out the bottom, but it's pretty unlikely. So we'll just have to see how this week goes. I am very much rooting for that now. After <laughs> after Nigel Pearson getting sacked. Yeah, um, I just want to keep using that term. Um, that would, to me, just be the ultimate, uh, you know, middle finger to yeah. the ownership or, or general manager, or whatever you call it, CEO, whoever made the decision to fire your manager with two matches to play after he, for all intents and purposes, got you out of relegation territory. Now I kind of want you to fall. 
just unbelievable, Unde- indefensible position, unless there's something I don't know. But, it, yeah. That would be, maybe in a couple of years we'll find out that Nigel Pearson like slept with his wife or yeah, something like something. that. Um, and then my, my favorite thing right now is looking at the Championship League promotion picture. So Leeds is officially promoted with their little five-game winning streak. I saw that. They rise to 90 points and cruise into the top spot. Um, Even they can't screw it up now. Yeah, it's been 16 years. And you'll be interested in this. An old Derby is being resurrected with the promotion. Do you know which one this is? Ooh. Um, it's got a really nice name. Probably probably my favorite one. Rats, I don't know. Where are, where are they located? I think they're way, way north. Like almost on the border of Scotland. So do they have a Derby with Newcastle? It's actually, uh, so it's called the War of the Roses. Well. Yeah. And this is Leeds Lancaster United. Lancaster, New York? Leeds United and Manchester United is the War of the Roses. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So, be interesting. Um, it's going to be a cool blood- name. Yeah, it is. Um, and then it's going to be a bloodbath for number two, though. Uh, West Brom, Brentford, Fulham, all right in the thick of things with one game remaining. Um all these games are Wednesday at 2.30 Eastern. So by about 4.30 Eastern, we're going to know who that second team right. is on Wednesday. Um, and then I also want to start figuring out what's going on with this tournament. Is it going to be streamed? When is it? Oh, maybe is it'll that... be on Peacock. Well, if it's on Peacock, then I'm out of luck. Peacock. Because, um, but, yeah, that's the, that's the picture there. All right. Very good. So uh, still a lot of... Uh, moving parts on both ends of the table maybe not so much in terms of uh who is in the top five but uh, like we discussed there's a possibility that that sixth place could be going to europe still relegation picture is not completely defined yet so we will know all of that next week because unless i'm mistaken matches should be wrapping up this weekend yeah all sunday i think all All at the same time yeah which you know is awesome when you've got a, a 2011-2012 type season where a lot is still up in the air going into that final match. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. Well, they do that for a reason, right? And they do that so that players you can't, can't score- see yeah. and don't know, you know what you need. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's still scoreboard watching in the sense of literally looking up. I assume these yeah. stadiums have big scoreboards, big scoreboards. The, the green monster with i know baseball does the same thing right the last sunday of the year all the games are at three eastern regardless of where they are is that right yeah. i've never noticed and that that's that's relatively new oh well then maybe that's why i've yeah. never noticed but they do the same thing there cool all right so a lot to watch out for and we will be back next week to go through all of it so Once again, thanks for listening. We don't have a show without you, so we appreciate you tuning in, and we look forward to speaking at you next week. Have a great week, everybody.